peace, for God's love. There is a crispness and a coolness um, in the air. Perfect day for a baptism, I might add. <laughs> so we celebrate alongside Nick um, Jr. and Nick Sr. Praise God for their faithfulness. Um, let me just remind you again, I know that Sundays can be a busy day, but I cannot reiterate or emphasize enough the importance of you making this evening at 6 o'clock a priority to be here um, as a church body. Lord willing, we'll put extra chairs up. We'll do whatever has to happen. Uh, this information has been literally gathered. Uh, work has been put into this meeting for the past eight, nine months, literally, Uh, So it is very, very important for each of you to be here as we um, just put all the information out so we know how to pray as we trust the Lord to move steps uh, forward for His glory. Uh, On a personal note, let me just express gratitude on behalf of your prayers uh, for my family, our family, in particular our son, Seth. Uh, We are most grateful for that. Would you bow your heads, please, and let's dedicate our time as we learn this morning from His Word. Father, we recognize, we pause and we recognize who you are. Lord, it's it's hard for us in our humanity to get a full glimpse and array and understanding of, of your greatness, of your glory. Father, but we are so grateful that you have lavishly poured out your love, your grace, your mercy upon us that we do not deserve. That literally, Lord, you are present here with us. And I would pray, Lord, right now that you in a very unique and a, in a, in a powerful way would speak to every single heart. It says, Lord, that your word never returns void. Lord, please use stammering and stumbling lips to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Father, I would ask for a special anointing upon those that are struggling physically, emotionally, spiritually just worn out. God, arrive, reveal yourself and encourage so we have the strength to continue on. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling in Cruz Blanca, such hardship we cannot really understand entirely. Lord, be close to them and reveal and remind them of your closeness. Father, we pray for our own community that is struggling in darkness of sin and many trapped. I pray for good brothers who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ at this very moment. I think of Josh and Chad and Scott and Ben, Nathan, others, Lord, that hold to the truth of your your word. God, empower them. Help us to understand what we are to do together for the gospel in this community. Father, may you be glorified in our moments together that you have allowed for us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We're looking this morning at the subject of goodness. That you really can't fake, you can't manufacture goodness. I was reminded of this um, some time ago. Uh, Wendy and I were in Boston and we went to an art gallery. Such an exciting time. You'd think that we would go to an art gallery to, to refine our appreciation, our understanding of the arts. Actually, um, we were going to a game at Fenway, and, and the gates didn't open for an hour. 
And we were cold, so we went to an art gallery. And I remember, I, I, one of the things I was struck with, I saw two paintings, and they looked, to the untrained eye, they looked absolutely identical. I could not tell the difference. One of them literally had a price tag on it. It was worth several hundred dollars. The other one had a price tag. It was worth thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. They looked exactly the same. Excuse me, I have a question. And I asked them. I don't know if they really wanted to answer my question. I said, I'm not getting this. And I said, well, this over here is an original by the artist. It's worth Tens of thousands. Yes. I, what's this? They said, well, this is referred to as a reproduction. This is, this is done by an artist who is trained by the original artist. And, and the original artist may have even touched it up. But, but it is referred to as a reproduction or a substitute of the real thing. I thought about that. I thought about the idea of goodness, that there are people today that are trying to, in a false, fake way, reproduce goodness. There's a lot of people. That's why this subject is of such importance for you and I to learn this morning. There's a lot of people that are doing really good things. And they're going to end up in hell, separated from God for all of eternity. Why? Because you can't manufacture. There's no substitutes for the subject that we're looking at today, this idea of goodness. Now let's go back a little bit. We've been talking, what, about the fruits, what I call the nine. And they're in different clusters. The first cluster we looked at, love, joy, and peace, all speak about our upward relationship, the the relationship that we have, the condition of our hearts toward God. This second cluster that we look at is is patience, kindness, now goodness. Today, I'll speak of our outward relationship or the condition of our hearts toward other people. Now, as we study the fruits of the Spirit, we have to remember kind of what's bookended here. What is the main idea that the Apostle Paul is teaching, writing to these five churches spread throughout the region of Galatia? And what is it that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and I today about? He speaks very bluntly, very clearly, that, that you cannot, you cannot, I cannot, and we will not ever produce goodness in and of ourselves. It's virtually impossible. That's what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about what it looks like to be completely surrendered and controlled and filled by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're looking at verse 22 in verse 16 and verse 25. Paul uses this term walking in the Spirit. So think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness will be seen in our relationships, in our lifestyle, in our language, in our character, in our conduct with other people. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can even describe I don't think you can define what a spirit-filled Christian looks like or what a spirit-controlled Christian looks like without using this word good. I don't think it's possible. He is a good man. She is a good woman. Why? Because something has taken place. So today we're going to look at the importance not only of what it means to do good, 
But we look at the importance of what it means to be made good. Distinction, big distinction, big difference between the two. First point, here it is. We have to have, first and foremost, the understanding of goodness is important. You could write the definition of goodness is important. I'll give you a little lateral movement on that one today, okay? What I found in my studies this week as I was examining this word good or or goodness, it's actually very difficult to understand or define in light of our present use and or understanding, we could say, or our present misuse, or we could use the term overuse of this word good. Once again, what we have done as creatures of extreme is we have completely flooded the market With this word good, it appears everywhere. Get up in the morning and you flip on GMA, Good Morning America. Okay? Get in your Jeep, drive to work on your Goodyear tires. You get to your office and you greet someone with good morning, stop at the vending machine for a snack and get your good and plenties. Right? Go to KFC for lunch, get some chicken. Why? Because it's finger-licking good. You leave the office with a good afternoon or a good luck or a good bye. You drive home. Hopefully you don't break down, but if you do, you can call Mr. Goodwrench. You're chewing on a, on a, on a good and plenty or Mr. Goodbar. You get home and, and sit in front of the fire and drink some Maxwell House, which is good to the last drop, reading a good housekeeping magazine, and we are just completely confused. What is this word about? It's everywhere. And we describe people. Oh, he's good looking, good natured. Or, or, or what? She's a, a good egg, or good humored, or she's a goody two shoes, or he's good for nothing. A lot of times this term is used all over the place, so much so that we have flooded the market, we do not understand. Replace something with a, with a trendy, tawdry words. And it's used to describe everything from tools to tires, chocolate bars to chewy candies. This morning, understand, we mark the day, we mark the time, we mark the hour. I am not interested in talking about that which tastes good. Much as I love good food, I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about that which sounds good, works good, looks good. I, this morning, am interested in teaching how the Holy Spirit of God can literally transform your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ to not only do good, but far more importantly, to be good, to be made good with a purpose and an understanding that you exist in such a way that your life can bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thus other lives for all of eternity. That's what I want to talk about this morning when we address the subject of good or goodness. Goodness is similar to these other words that we have looked at, kindness. Goodness is kind of like kindness, gentleness. We've studied these in the past. What we understand, though, is the word goodness is is a far more active of a term. It is often directed towards that which does not merit the action. 
goodness directed towards those who don't deserve it. There's, there's kind of an intimacy here with the word goodness and the word grace. Goodness, the word is derived from the Greek word agathos. It has to do with a moral and a spiritual excellence that is known by its sweetness and its active kindness. It refers to the quality found in a person who is ruled by and aims to be good, that which represents the highest moral and ethical values. Officially, you could go to the definition, and the word good or goodness is defined as having desirable or favorable qualities, virtue, benevolence, and excellence. I was pausing on that word literally, and I close my eyes when I think sometimes. It it, it helps free me from distraction. And I thought about that word goodness. You know what came to mind? Weird, weird stuff goes in here. Years ago, I was probably 10 years old. I remember I didn't read a lot of books. I think it's obvious. But the, the little books that I did read, I used to love to read biographies about people. I used to read biographies and encyclopedias, just a weird kid. And I remember literally, as I was thinking about this word goodness, I remember hearing something years ago about a guy um, back in the latter part of the 19th, early part of the 20th century, Booker T. Washington. Remember the African-American, he's an educator, orator, um, author. And I remember he was raised as a slave. I remember reading about this, this story and I'm like, did that really happen? And so I did some research and I found it. I found in his own words, listen to this. This is the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about goodness as far as the act of it, this moral, ethical, favorable benevolence and excellence, this virtue. Listen to the words, Booker T. Washington himself. Just, just horrid as far as the way that one human felt that they could treat another human during the atrocities of slavery years ago very, in our own very country. Listen to what Washington writes. In the portion of Virginia where I lived, it was common to use flax as part of the clothing for the slaves. That part of the flax from which our clothing was made was largely the refuse, which of course was the cheapest and roughest part. I can scarcely imagine any torture except perhaps the pulling of a tooth that is equal to that caused by putting on a new flax shirt for the first time. It is almost equal to the feeling that one would experience if he had a dozen or more chestnut burrs or a hundred small pinpoints in contact with his flesh. Even to this day, I can recall accurately the tortures that I underwent when putting on one of those garments. The fact that my flesh was soft and tender added to the pain. But I had no choice. I had to wear the flax shirt or nothing. And had it been left to me to choose, I should have chosen to wear no covering. In connection with the flax shirt, my brother John, who is several years older than I am, performed one of the most generous acts that I have ever heard of from one slave relative doing for another. On several occasions when I was being forced to wear a new flax shirt, he generously agreed to put it on in my stead and wear it for several days until it was broken in. 
until I had grown to be quite a youth, a single garment was all that I wore. You know, that's, that's where my mind raced when I was thinking about this idea of goodness, where older brother says, I will take the pain. I will wear the pain that is yours. So we have this idea, okay, we have this idea, this is what goodness is. The definition or the understanding of goodness is important. Secondly, we have to understand the source of goodness is God. The single source of goodness is God. In the language of Scripture, the Word of God, biblically speaking, the word good literally means to be like God. Because He alone is perfectly good. So think of it like this. It is one thing to have high ethical and or moral standards. It's quite another thing to allow the Holy Spirit to produce within you a goodness that has its roots, literally, its depths in God the Father. Now we put a lot of weight, I put a lot of weight in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he, what he did, what he spoke, what he wrote. In Scripture, if you listen and learn from the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, he proves this when he was asked a question, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. I'll read it for you. It says this, And behold, a man came up to him, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal Life. Wow, is that not a question that a lot of people are asking today? What is it that I have to do in order to go to heaven? What good thing must I do to have eternal life? Man came up to him saying, question. Continues, Christ responded with these words. Why do you ask me about what is good? Here's his response. There is only one who is good. Jesus doesn't even address what you need to do. Why? Because we just would fall so desperately short. There's only one who is good. The New King James Version, I appreciate how it translates. No one is good but one. That is God. No one, lowercase o. No one is good but one, uppercase o. That is God. What does Jesus do? He immediately takes the attention off of what does he have to do? You can't even start. Let me direct your attention to what and who is good. We put a lot of weight. We listen and learn from the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also understand that he shows us what? Jesus Christ himself says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one. What is Jesus saying? He's introduced, introducing to us this, we get a glimpse of this unfathomable, doctrine that we refer to as the doctrine of the Trinity. A triune God. Again, our tiny little minds cannot fully comprehend this idea that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all exist separately, uniquely, and distinctly, yet they are completely one. That's what Jesus is doing here. And as God, the only one who is good, who also exists as the Holy Spirit, and Jesus teaches the ministry that what? The Holy Spirit is made available to you. 
God himself has made himself available to you. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. I love these words. Jesus himself speaks. He says, you will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, wow. We understand the only true source of goodness comes what, when our hearts are shaped like the heart of God. When the Holy Spirit allows us to have this outpouring of goodness. Well, I don't know about you, but I was standing in the front of a long line and said, well, how do I get that? I want that. How do we do that? Well, that's the ultimate question of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the question of salvation. That's the question that says, what? First and foremost, what do we do? Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel. What do you do? How do you, in a sense, allow the Holy Spirit to to indwell you, to produce this fruit of goodness? First and foremost, recognize the existence of a holy God and you accept the fact that you in and of yourselves are unholy. That we fall short that in and of ourselves there is a, a, a brokenness to us. There is a sinfulness to us. And we confess that honestly and openly. Lord, forgive me, a sinner. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And what do we do? We surrender completely. It means you give all of your life, not, not some of your life, every part of you, two young men, Father and a son will literally, visibly, what? Publicly pronounce and announce their faith in Jesus Christ by going under the cold, chilly river this afternoon, saying that we have died to ourselves, and I what? I will come, and I want to walk in complete newness as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is all His. That's how it happens. What do we do? We obey God. God's word teaches what you are to be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always for everything. You know, that's a great description of what goodness looks like. I can't help but sing about what God has done. I can't help but give thanks for the beauty of a leaf that is reflecting God's creation. Have you this morning allowed your life to be completely filled, controlled, and and overflowing by the Spirit of God? God then produces what is referred to as goodness. The Holy Spirit produces goodness. And there is, without a doubt, an idea of you and I should be doing that which is good. Not in order to get to heaven, but because we're heading to heaven, what does it look like? Well, the very next chapter, we'll pause on this in a couple of weeks, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We have a vision to impact this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means we're to do good for every single person, especially give attention to a brother or sister in Christ who is in need. Go out of your way for them. That's what it means. Prophet Micah 
writes in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has told you, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? No doubt there's an element of doing good, but please understand goodness is not limited to that. Goodness that we're talking about even goes further. It goes deeper. Goodness literally is love in action. Which brings us to our third point. The manifestation of goodness is Christ. The manifestation, what it looks like, how it is made known to all. What does goodness look like? It is God who wrapped himself in the flesh and form of a man who came to earth and died in the place that you and I deserve to die. Manifestation of goodness is Christ. Goodness is righteousness that is demonstrated in everyday life. That's exactly what Christ did. Paul actually writes, he writes to the church at Rome and he helps define this virtue for us. Kind of describes it. So what does this goodness look like? Romans chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. Listen to this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what is that verse speaking about? First and foremost, it says, we can kind of wrap our mind around the idea, we can understand someone dying for someone else who is worth dying for. Okay, we can, we can get that. We can almost understand how someone can, can inspire us to die for someone else. We can kind of wrap our minds around this, but, but Christ comes and blows everything out of the water. Christ goes far beyond this. What does this look like? He died for us when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us when you and I were not worth dying for. Does that not collide with the entire humanistic messages that exist every day in our worlds. Christ died for us when we were not worth dying for. Eugene Peterson in in the message paraphrases like this, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Oh my goodness. All of your beauty all of your intellect, all of your pedigree and upbringing, your education, you were of no use to a holy God. That's what this verse is speaking about. Yeah, but you don't know. No, no. What I know is the authority of God's word. It says while we were yet, while we were slaves to sin, we were dead in our sinfulness. We begin to get a grip here. The understanding that we have got to hold on to is the fruit of the Spirit is not just about doing good. It is all about the one who has made us good through Christ. See the difference here. Christ makes us good. A person can be made good, made righteous by acknowledging and accepting what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross. Fourthly and finally, the purpose of goodness, the purpose of goodness... There is a reason for this. The purpose of goodness is redemption. No doubt about the fact Christ has redeemed us. 
what is it? You were struggling, you were drowning in the deep end. It was way over your head. And he reaches down, literally Christ rescued you. We were not good, but we were we can be made good. How does that happen? Theologically, the, re, the, the term that we use is the imputation. Where in a sense, God allows the righteousness of Christ to be placed upon us or imputed upon us. And God allows our sinfulness to be imputed upon Christ. We are undeserving of that. That's what it looks like. And what happens? God sees us not in and of ourselves, but God sees us through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And he sees us, what? As righteous in standing. The word is justified. We have positionally been adopted as sons and daughters into his own family. We are called his own. A royal priesthood. We've been set apart to live completely different justified. It launches us on the path of sanctification, which ultimately leads to glorification in heaven for all of eternity. We see this all the way through scripture. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus is for all who believe. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12. By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want you to see this yourself. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. In chapter 5, in verse 21, hold on to this. Be grateful for this. Every day wake up to express gratitude for God and His grace for this promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 21, for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God allowed his own son to literally bear the weight and the burden of our unrighteousness so that we can be made righteous. So here it is. That's a lot. That's a lot of scripture. We got imputation. We have doctrine. What what do we take from this? I know this sounds, it sounds like it goes in a circle, but this is really important. It's written for you on the bottom of your notes. I want to make sure you got the wording right. Here it is. This is what we take away. Christ died for us when we were not good. We got that down. Now, by trusting Christ, we can be made good with a purpose to do good. Why? So we point others to Christ who died for us when we were not good. See how important that is? You understand, this is something that you and I, what? Go back to the art gallery. Go back to Boston and see, there's one here that's the real deer. This other one, it's just a reproduction. It's not worth diddly compared to this. You can do all kinds of good things. But if it's not, what? Coming from a heart that has been made good, made righteous, to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you miss it. You miss it all together. And don't miss the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you miss the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how are those in the community going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? We leave you with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5. Let your light, let your light shine before others 
so they may see your good works. Why? So they say, well, you are really good. No. So that what? So that by doing good works, you have a reserved parking spot waiting for you in heaven? No. Has nothing to do with you. Let your lights shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. He's the one who redeemed you. He's the one who rescued you. Next time you pick up a good housekeeping, think about that. Next time you chew on a good and plenty or a Mr. Good bar, drive on your good years. Think about the true meaning, the true understanding of what goodness is. Manifested, made known to us by Christ with a purpose that we understand in ourselves there is nothing good in us. But Christ's gifts make us good for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We stand before you and we know we are undeserving. But we lift up your name and we praise your name for your goodness to us. Help us, Lord, to be completely led and controlled and filled by your spirit so we can show that goodness that you've made known to our lives, to others. Give us the strength to do that and to do that well and to do that faithfully. In your name we pray. Just stand with us, please, as we close.